Hello, my blessed friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Blessed for Success podcast. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa. Uh, if you have the time, please do go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Um, really would mean the world to me and, and help this podcast grow as much as possible. I am super pumped about today's guest. Uh, my guest today is a highly touted and well-known professional in the fitness industry. He is a five-time world record powerlifter with YouTube channel with 125K subscribers. He is a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach with his most notable client being Gary Vaynerchuk, who he would work with day in and day out. He is also his own podcast where he talks about fitness, nutrition, entrepreneurship, and many more relevant health topics. Introducing Jordan Syed. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Jordan Syed, thank you so much for coming on to the Blessed for Success podcast. Uh, it's really, really great to have you here. I'm super excited for this episode. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's start this the way I always start things off, which is at this point in time, um, you know, I see it's sunny over there. What are the things that you feel most blessed for? Uh, I'm very blessed for my health. I'm blessed for my family. Uh, I'm best blessed for every person that follows me and all the, the, uh, time and attention that they give me. So, uh, I'm blessed for God. I'm blessed for, for everything that I have in my life. Super blessed. That's, 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 uh, that's putting it all encapsulating it all pretty well. Um, I mean, how have you been spending your days right now? Obviously we're in the middle of a, of a worldwide, um, I, I hate even calling it a pandemic anymore. I just don't want to give it a negative connotation, but let's just say this worldwide situation. Um, how are you spending your days right now? Um, it's interesting. I'd say a little bit more relaxed than it was before all of this. Right. So, I mean, before all of this, it was up at six in the morning, jujitsu by seven. Uh, I'd be back at my place by like eight, 8.30, I'd be filming by like 9, and then I'd be working all day from 9 until 8 or 9. It would just be like all day, every day. Um, when this stuff really started to happen, and I wasn't able to meet with my videographer, Rico, and I wasn't really able to go to jiu-jitsu, and I wasn't able to go to the gym, obviously everything like sort of just, it slowed down. Um still been busy i've still been doing anywhere between two to four podcasts a day uh filming youtube videos uh instagram tiktok just a lot of social media um i've been sending out free workouts every day to my text community so they can do bodyweight workouts at home um so i've still been doing a lot of work but it's been more relaxed a little bit more i can sleep in a little bit more go to bed a little bit earlier um and I mean, I'm very lucky because I can work from wherever I am. So I can work from home. I can do all of that. Um, but it's, I think one of the greatest benefits, I was just talking to my buddy Mike about it earlier today, is that it was, this was really forced me to slow down. It's like, this is a very, probably the only time in my adult life in which I'll be forced to take a break, to not be up super early and going to bed ridiculously late. And like I can sort of relax, take a minute, take a breather. If I want to sleep in until 8.30, I can sleep in until 8.30 and it's not a big deal. I'm curious, what, what do you think 
after all of this is over? Like, do you think the fact that you're slowing down now a little and, and, you know, being able to have more time for reflection and stuff, like, do you think anything's going to change when you go back to your regular routine? Like, you do think like, okay, well, I might change this up or that up um, in the midst of all this. In an ideal world, yes. I think in an ideal world, I would slow down. I'd be more relaxed. I wouldn't be as go, go, go. In a practical world, knowing myself and knowing what I think is going to happen, I don't see that happening at all. I think as soon as jujitsu opens up, I'm going to be back in there at seven in the morning. Uh, as soon as the world gets going again, the markets get going, people get going back to work and everyone's motivated. It's like, it, it's so funny. We're so quick to adapt. I think we've all adapted pretty quickly to this new norm. It still sucks. Like no one is enjoying this. This isn't fun, but we've adapted to it. We've yeah. figured out to get used to it, to make it our new norm. And when it's over, which it will be, whether it's in six months or a year, whatever it is, then we'll all adapt again and we'll go back. And it's like, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think for me personally, it's very dependent on where I am. So when I'm in New York, this is where I work as hard as I possibly can. Like I, I live in New York mainly because this is where I work really hard. This is where I get the most work done. It's where I can meet the most people. I can be the most productive. Uh, if I want to be in like my, my happiest place, I'll be in Israel. Um, and then I don't know where I'll go after New York, but um, I think if I'm in a place that's not as on all the time as New York, I'll be able to take a little bit more of a break and slow down. But as long as I'm here in New York, there's, I just don't foresee that happening. I think it's just part of the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I mean, um, it's, it's just so easy to forget things too. Like I think once this is all over, people are going to forget about all of it very, very quickly and be able to get back into their, uh, yeah. their always really soon. Um, so, I mean, your, your life has been centered around health and fitness for the most part, especially, you know, recent, in recent years. Um, I'd love to know just like, how did you find fitness? You know, what, what's your fitness journey been personally for you? So I, I got into it because I, I started wrestling at eight years old. Uh, I started wrestling my, my older brother, who's almost three years older than me. He would, he was getting picked on when he was in middle school. And, uh, when I was eight, I was in, I think it was a fifth grader. And my mom was like, all right, you two are going to wrestle. And I remember the only wrestling that I knew at the time was WWE style wrestling, like the undertaker style. And I, I remember looking at her being like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? <laughs> and she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling. And, and I got obsessed with it. I loved it. It was all I thought about. Uh, I ended up making varsity as a freshman in high school. I beat a junior for the varsity spot and I had to cut from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Um, and as a freshman, 13, 14 year old kid, I was good technically and I was good endurance wise, but I didn't have the strength to really compete at a high level with the juniors and seniors. I mean, the strength between a 13 year old and a 17, 18 year old is, is gargantuan. So I ended up applying to a gym nearby. I was like, just let me take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Let me just intern with you and learn how to get stronger. Uh, the first gym I applied to said, no, like, we don't want a high school kid walking around. The second gym I applied to said, yes, absolutely. Come in. And I worked there all through high school. Uh, my first client, he was, a he was a 68 year old guy. His name was Fred. And his only goal was to be able to pick up his grandson without hurting his shoulders. He had serious shoulder cuff issues, rotator cuff issues. And, um, at 14 years old, it gave me a lot of perspective that I don't think most coaches get until after they graduate college and they go into their first training job. 
so that's really how I got into fitness. And, and from there, I coached all through high school. I loved it. It was just, I was at that gym every day after school, after wrestling practice during the wrestling season. And, um, and that was basically it. And then I, I went into exercise science, but I quit exercise science after a couple of months because I realized the teachers didn't know what they were talking about. They'd never actually coached anybody. They were just teaching theory instead of practical application. So I switched to behavioral health psychology because I knew basically one thing you learn when you actually start coaching people rather than just reading out of a book is that the book will just show you how to design a good program. The book will show you how to, how to put together a good meal plan but it doesn't show you how to help people be consistent. And that's really the biggest issue, right? It's like everyone knows they should be exercising. Everyone knows they should be eating more fruits and vegetables, but they're not doing it. It's like, I mean, people all around the world know smoking cigarettes is not a good idea, but still new people every day pick up a box of cigarettes and start smoking for the first time. It's not knowledge that is keeping us from doing what we need to do. It's other psychological behavioral changes. So I switched to behavioral health psychology and that was probably the best move I made in terms of really starting to understand the behavior change, the psychology aspect. And, and that's really it from there. I just kept going, started coaching, did online stuff and steamrolled from there. What a journey. That's uh, that's, that is quite the journey. And you know, you're so right when it comes to the psychological aspect is like, it's so easy to get your hands on a program. Now there's like, you know, there's free programs out there. Even, you know, there's free tutorials on YouTube. Um, but you it's, want to find something, yeah. it's there. For free. Yeah, for yeah. Free. exactly. It's not, it's really not that hard. It's just having that, you know, turn of mentality. So like, even me, like I used to be, you know, pretty overweight. I used to be 60 pounds overweight. Um, I was, um, 160 by the time I ended high school. And then I was, uh, 220 by the, uh, second year of my university career. And until I started making small psychological changes, like, you know, take the stairs instead of the elevator or, or sorry, take, yeah, take the stairs instead of the elevator or, you know, change your environment around you so that it's not as easy to like grab sugary sweet foods all the time. Like small changes like that made the biggest difference for me in the long run. Um, I was drinking like a can of pop a day and even, you know, hearing you talk about wrestling, it's, it's so interesting because I've noticed this common theme among wrestlers. I used to wrestle a bit in, in middle school, but Wrestlers are some of the most resilient people I have probably met in my entire life because, I mean, you know, and you can speak to the experience, but it is a grind of a, of a sport. Like you're putting oh, yeah. yourself through hell sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's thinking back to some of the things I did for that sport are, are borderline insanity and psychopathic. But uh, yeah, I, I think grit and resilience are two characteristics that you can actually improve. There, there's a significant amount of research showing that you can improve your grit. You can improve your resilience. Uh, it's not just something that you have it or you don't. I think some people are genetically, in the same way there are some people who are genetically better fit for and being an NBA basketball player. Like I will never be in the NBA. I'm five foot four. I'm just, it's just not going to be in the cards, but it doesn't mean I can't get better at basketball. It doesn't mean I can't get better at dribbling or shooting or whatever. And there are some really well-known, very short basketball players. Um, I think being able to focus on improving your grit and your resiliency is one of the most overlooked components of fitness nowadays. Um, and it's actually, unfortunately it's, it's almost been shunned because the fitness industry runs on a pendulum of extremes, right? It's either everything is either good for you or bad for you. It's right or wrong, healthy or unhealthy. It either 
burns fat or it starts adds fat, right? It's like, it's either one or the other. Very rarely do you find a middle of the, gr- middle of the road, middle ground, gray area. And that's really where the answers lie. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things we found is if you look like late nineties, early two thousands, a lot of like the fitness belief system revolved around, um, no pain, no gain, right? It was that ty- type of like, if you're not going hard, then what the hell are you even doing? Like sort of like drill sergeant style, yeah. which going to the extreme is clearly not the right way to go about it. But the pendulum has strong, has swung the complete opposite way now where now it's gone to literally, it's just like, be honest, just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to do any work. You're like, you're perfect exactly as you are. Like just it's, and, and that's, that's wrong. It's wrong. Like we need to have some balance of that's what, that's the reason why people hire coaches. People hire a coach because the coach will push them to work harder than they would have otherwise. People hire a coach because they know they will be a better individual if they put in more work to get stronger, to be more fit, to be more athletic, to lose weight, to feel better in their own skin. It's one of the things that the whole idea of being perfect as you are, I, I hate that saying more than anything in the world, not more than anything in the world. I hate Hitler more than that, but I hate that saying more than a lot because it's one of the things when you look for, when, when you hear someone talk about their partner, their uh, husband, their wife, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, whatever it is, one of the things they'll say about their partner is, I love them because they make me a better person. They push me to be better. They drive me to be a better individual. You don't, you don't have a partnership with someone and just not want them to push you to be better. And, and just understanding this we can sort of see the logical fallacy understanding that you're not perfect as you are you're great you're an incredible individual but you can always be better mm-hmm. and this idea that you're perfect as you are it, it why bother trying why bother doing anything if you're already perfect uh so it for me this is like the fitness industry you got to find the balance between being a drill sergeant because obviously no pain no gain is stupid mm-hmm. but also just saying like well why bother trying like you don't really need to do any work you're perfect as you are is also stupid we got to find the balance of developing grit and resilience and pushing people, trying to get them to work harder because people respond well to that. People want responsibility. It's one of like the innate human desires is they want to responsibility. They want to bear a load. They want to help others. They want to help themselves. And they also want to learn how to love themselves. And it's part of the, the doing both in conjunction with each other rather than only saying one is better or worse. Yeah. You're so like, you're so, you nailed it right on the head. Like the balance is so important and you know, nowadays it's so tricky because even if I might go to a friend and say, you know, Hey man, you might want to work out here or try this in, in your nutrition or something. It's like you, you almost worried about hurting somebody's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like you could just be looking out for them, you know? Um, and it, it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, people are sensitive, uh, nowadays, uh, obviously for, for obvious reasons, but, um, you're right. That striking that balance is crucial. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll dive into that a little bit more um, as we go through the, throughout the conversation. But one thing I wanted to, um, you know, have a chat with you about was you and I kind of have a parallel in a small sense. So um, you are famously known for having Gary Vaynerchuk as a client. Um, and I was actually security for him for a day when he came to <laughs> Toronto to the Haston Hustle Conference. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very interesting experience. And I've talked before on the podcast what I learned from him that day, which was just 
his unbelievable energy, which was nuts to me, and his uh, attention to detail, which was also uh, nuts to me because every person he was talking to, he would give them his like 110% attention. Um, I'm just curious, like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot, there were a lot of people, you know, vying for his attention, you know, and getting Gary's attention is not easy. Um, of all the people that have might to try, might have tried to be his personal trainer, how did he end up choosing you? And, you know, how did you break through all the noise? Uh, so I started making content online in 2011. Uh, and this is one of the things a lot of the people who will be like, oh yeah, like you blew up because of Gary. It's like, I started making content in July, 2011, about six years or five years before I ever started coaching Gary. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's actually how I got the job coaching Gary because I wrote one of my articles that I wrote in 2012, uh, was an article about how to improve your posture if you work at your desk just simple ways to work at your desk that are going to help improve your posture rather than just sitting over like Quasimodo like this. Yeah. And, um, that's actually how I'm sitting right now. I'm going to fix that. <laughs> uh, a random guy in 2012 that I, I didn't know who was an accountant at the time found that article, uh, enjoyed the article, asked me some questions in the comment section. And at that point in time I was getting maybe 20 people or so reading an article. It was not that many. So I don't know how he found my article. I don't know how he stumbled upon it, but he did. And I would always answer every single comment because I wouldn't get that many. Um, and ever since that, he followed me and he enjoyed my stuff. And through a crazy chain of events, that accountant in Chicago, his name is Mike Vacanti, through several years later, he became Gary Vaynerchuk's first personal trainer. After he moved to New York, met Gary, he became his coach. He had a two-year deal with Gary. And then once his two-year deal with Gary was up, Gary said, who's going to be my next coach? And Mike said, I think I know a guy. And I was living in Israel at the time. So Mike reached out to me and he said, do you want to coach Gary? So I flew from Tel Aviv to New York to do a, an interview with Gary, just coach him for an hour. Flew back to Tel Aviv. And about six weeks later, Mike called me and he was like, you got the job. And uh, one of the reasons I like that story is because it's very much in line with Gary's thesis. We're one of his theses, which is you never know what piece of content is going to change your life forever. Right. And, and the reality is that article, the article on how to improve your posture, it's one of my least, least popular articles I've ever written. Very few people have ever seen it. It has probably the least amount of comments of almost any article I've ever done, least amount of views, least amount of shares. Like very few people actually saw it or liked it, but one person did. And that one person that commented on it and that I replied to ended up changing my life forever. And it, it, I think when people hear, you never know what piece of content can change your life. They often think, well, what piece of content is going to go viral? Right. But vir virality isn't always the changing your life aspect. You just need one person, which is mm -hmm. why when people are like, oh yeah, I need hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. It's like just one. Mm -hmm. And that's another one of Gary's theses, which is like one is greater than zero. It's just, you never know who you're interacting with. It's why I'll never say no to getting on a podcast with anyone. Like I'll get on a podcast with anyone. I don't care if it's your first podcast and you have zero followers or you have a million followers. It doesn't matter to me. I'll get on a podcast with every single person because I never know who, who I'm going to be speaking with, number one. I never know who's going to be listening. And so that, that's how I got the job with Gary. Well, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. Uh, that's, that's for sure. And, and that's an incredible story in and of itself. Like it just shows you that anything, like I post on LinkedIn almost every single day and I have posts that I've, I have had like 200 likes on or whatnot, but I've also had posts that I've had five likes on, but people message me about it and tell me more like over DMS and like talk to mm -hmm. me about how it impacts them and how they learn. So it's just like numbers are just there. They do say something, they do speak a language, 
but there's something deeper to what is said and the quality of your material or, or just putting regularly out into the world and, and kind of receiving um, acknowledgement in, ter- in return. There's, there's just something. A hundred percent. to it. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you left Gary, now you run your own online uh, fitness and coaching business. What, what lit the spark for you to say, you know what, I've done what I have to do here. Let me go and, 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 and start this online fitness and coaching nutrition business. Um, and now it's taking off. Like your, your YouTube channel is, is crazy popular. Your, your brand is super popular. Like how did, how did you, what lit the spark to get there? So again, I mean, I started my online content in 2011 years before I ever started coaching Gary. Mm-hmm. I had started. The only reason Gary found me is because of all the online stuff I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started my online coaching business in 2012 in my dorm room. So I started taking online coaching clients in 2012. And the reality is a lot of people think, oh, you work for Gary. He must have paid you a ton of money. It's like, not at all. It was not a lot of money. In fact, if I didn't have my online coaching business, I wouldn't have been able to work for Gary because the amount of travel, the amount of everything that went into it, I wouldn't have been able to sustain myself with solely what I was getting paid from Gary. Yeah. So I started my online coaching business in 2012. That's when I got my first paying online client. I started in 2011, but I didn't get my first paying client until 2012. And then from 2012 until 2016 mm-hmm. is I built one-on-one coaching. I built a membership site and I was doing that. And literally in those four or five years, I built an entire business uh, that was fortunately doing very well. And it was mainly through via email marketing. A lot of it wasn't really done through social media. I wasn't a huge fan of social media. Uh, I had gotten deep into the world of of sales copy, copywriting, email marketing, Dan Kennedy, all these people for for sales copy. And I was doing that and I was enjoying it. But when I got the job with Gary, I was like, you know what? I might as well go hard on social media because I'm going to be literally right under the guru of social media. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I started posting. When I started coaching Gary, he gave me a challenge to post on Instagram three times a day, every day. Uh, and, And that was on December 27th, 2016. And... I was like, three times a day, every day, are you out of your mind? Like, number one, everyone's going to hate me. No one's going to want to see my stuff that often. Uh, and number two is, is like, I don't even know what to post about. And he was like, just do it three times a day, every day. So on December 27th, I posted two times. And then the next day, December 28th, he asked me if I posted three times. And I told him yes. And then he was like, no, you didn't. I saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then from December 28th until December 28th, 2016 until June 2017, I posted three times a day, every single day, except for two Sundays when I only posted twice. And I went from about 5,000 followers to over 200,000 followers in that time frame from posting three times a day, every single day. Holy but crap. If, you, That's if you look at, if you look at my engagement from December 28th until April 7th, you'll see a slow and steady increase, like not that much, not radical. But on April 7th, 2017, I posted my first infographic and it went viral. And then that was a Friday. It was a Friday night. It went viral. And it was like literally the worst possible time to post on social media. It's like Friday night, 7 p.m. Everyone's out. The UK is sleeping. Uh, The Middle East is like barely up yet. Like it's like the cliche worst time to post engagement should be absolutely minimal and it went viral and it went nuts. So I posted another one immediately and that one went viral. And so literally I just went nuts with my infographics for months and months and months, three times a day, every day. And, uh, 
the reason I like telling that story is because from December 28th until April 7th, I was posting three times a day every day with barely any growth, like very, very little until about four months later, I happened to do an infographic and it went bonkers. Yeah. And then that's what I really kept doing, kept doing, kept doing to grow it. Um, so starting with Gary is what gave me the, gave me the push to go hard on social media. Uh, but my business was created in 2011. And then when I stopped coaching Gary, all I did was continue to do what I was already doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't like I, I just started a business once I stopped coaching Gary. Right. And I mean, it just goes to show you that it's always a long journey, right? Like success just doesn't come overnight. And you've been doing it for, for a long, long time, uh, even the YouTube content for a long, long time. Um, and it, you know, builds up. That story is insane to me because, you know, it's something that I'll, I'll, I always get caught up about. Like I post content about my podcast, but it's just like, you know, there's really not that much engagement or anything like that. So you wonder if it's ever going to take off and, and it can be a grind, but that story is encouraging um, for me personally. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's, you just, you never know what's going to happen. And I think the, the biggest, same reason people fail with fitness is because they aren't consistent with it. Even if they're doing something that's working, they have unrealistic expectations of how quickly it's going to go. They have unrealistic expectations of what the finished product is going to look like. And then even if they're doing something that's working and could do really well, they end up quitting because they just think, well, it's not working fast enough. And it's like, if, if you just kept going, you could have changed the world, but right. you quit. Right. It's, it's like that graphic. I don't know if you've seen it before, but it's like two miners like digging for diamonds and then one stops just short yep. of it and says, oh, I'm never going to get there. And then the other one, you know, does an extra year of work and gets there. That's um, exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. Um, okay, so I mean, we're right now in the middle of, again, like a worldwide crisis, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Um, what should people do right now to get their health in check? I mean, everyone's stuck at home for the most part. Um, I, I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you a bit more about it in a bit, but like I was looking all day for like more home gym equipment and everything's sold out, which is a bummer. Um, yeah. But what, what should people be focusing on to build a body that they've always wanted, even though they're in quarantine? Yeah, I would say number one is you're probably not going to build the body you've always wanted during quarantine. Let's just be realistic. Like, especially if you don't have any equipment, if you, if you have zero equipment, it's not to say you can't lose weight, you can't get stronger, you can't get healthier because you absolutely can. But in terms of managing expectations, you're definitely not going to step on the Olympia stage with just only your body weight during this, never mind this relatively short time frame. Like, even if you had all of the equipment at your disposal, and you had all of the anabolic steroids and all of the best drugs in the world and all of the best nutrition, if you had a full year, mm -hmm. you still wouldn't have the body of your dreams. Like this just, unless the body of your dreams is like relatively soft and like not that like impressive relative to <laughs> other people who have tremendous amounts of muscle mass. Um, so, and, and some people might hear that and they'd be like, wow, what an asshole. It's like, it's just the truth. It's like, I could either sit up here and lie to you and say, yeah, you're going to have the body of your dreams in 40 days or be like, listen, it's going to take you five years in an optimal conditions. Yeah. And that's just the truth of it. Um, so that being said, I think now is the best time to start building better habits. Now is the best time. Like it's people always use the excuse that if I had more time, if I had more time, if I had more time, now you've got the fucking time. Like, if you really, really want to develop better habits, have a big salad every day. Have one big ass salad every day. 
Just that's a non-negotiable. Make sure you eat some greens, some vegetables every day. Put some protein on it, chicken, turkey, fish, I don't care. A big bowl, a big salad every single day. Have water, a big glass of water before you eat any meal. I would say try and get at least 5,000 steps in, even if that just means walking around. Like I live in a 550 square foot apartment and I'll get usually at least 5,000 steps a day, sometimes much lower. But I would say six out of seven days, I'll get at least 5,000 steps, if not more, just from walking around my apartment, hmm. just from being on the phone, talking to people, whatever. So I'd aim for 5,000 steps a day, get a big ass salad every day, drink a bunch of water. And if you want, give yourself a challenge. Give yourself a challenge for you could do 100 push-ups a day or 100 squats a day or 100 lunges a day or you could do 300 reps a day of something. So 300 reps, so 100 push-ups, 100 squats, 100 sit-ups, something. Give yourself some type of a challenge. And again here, the goal isn't necessarily to build the body of your dreams in quarantine. The goal is to develop grit and resiliency and habit. Is I, for the first 30 days of quarantine, I did 300 push-ups a day every single day. I'm gonna make a YouTube video on this. Um, but the whole purpose was not because I wanted to build a bigger chest or because I wanted to have a great physique. It was solely because I did not want to do 300 push-ups a day every day. Like, absolutely not. Mm. But by forcing myself to do that and having some regimen and making and requiring myself to overcome an obstacle every single day, it was probably the most productive part of this entire quarantine because I had other things that I was doing as well. I was on a regimen and I was focused. And when you're focused on overcoming an obstacle, you get better at everything you're doing. The challenges part is amazing. Um, and it's, it goes back to the psychological aspect of it. Like you said, the grit, the resilience. Um, and you know, me personally, like I get really bored of like a fitness routine, like a consistent fitness routine regularly. So I have to change things up. Like, let's mm -hmm. say I'm doing something for like two weeks. I have to add something in the third week to change things up. I have like a, I love MMA. So I have a heavy bag downstairs. I'll, I'll like, just like, go off on the heavy bag um, because that's what I find fun. And I think, you know, finding ways to make these challenges fun, but also challenging for yourself um, is, is super important. So I, I love that point that you made. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, there's building the body you've always wanted, right. Which is like, you see what you, you see what, you know, on magazine covers or whatnot, Schwarzenegger and so on and so forth. But then there's also just having good health. Right. And I think, right now, like taking care of your health, taking care of your joints, taking care of your, um, your nutrition, like you said, like having a salad every day, having water regularly, like is super important just to maintaining good long-term um, health. Now mm -hmm. on the, on the portion of the equipment, I spent an hour today, literally just looking at looking for home gym equipment, trying to figure out how I'm going to outfit my garage. Um, are there any essentials that you would recommend to have? Um, anything that in particular that's like, okay, these three to five things that you should have in, in your home gym? Yeah, I mean, if you can get adjustable dumbbells, I think they're great. I have, uh, I have power blocks. And actually, the power blocks that I have, I've had them since I was 18. Wow. Uh, I bought them when I was 18. And I still have them. They still work great. Um, and they can go anywhere from five to 50 pounds. And they're just like, they're a little bit bigger than normal dumbbells just cause they have like different slots, but like you can make them five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30 40, 45, 50 pounds. Uh, I think those are probably one of the best investments anyone can have. Cause you can, there's so many options with what you can do in regard to dumbbell training. Hmm. Um, I would say adjustable dumbbells. I think some type of a, of a suspension trainer is also a really good idea. So either a TRX, uh, is like the more popular one. I have one, uh, it's called, it's from Liebert fitness, L E B E R T. Um, 
I really like their, their suspension trainer. You can do a lot with that. So I'd say adjustable dumbbells, some type of suspension trainer, and then either like bands, you can do a lot with, with bands. I get mine from rogue fitness and I'm not sponsored by any of these people. It's just, I just what I use. It's rogue fitness, R O G U E. They have great bands that you can use that are very inexpensive and, and add a lot of great resistance. Um, uh, some bands. And then also you can even just get these, like they have special ones that are, they're, uh, they're called Val slides, V A L slides. Um, and they slide on a rug or a hard surface and they can, make things difficult with sliding but if you don't want to spend 25 bucks on one you could just go get a furniture mover at like home depot or whatever it is and it's the exact same thing like a furniture slider nice it's literal exact same thing for five dollars um you could also go to home depot and spend like 25 bucks on a on a bag of sand just get a big bag of sand put it into a duffel bag and you could do shouldering, you could do overhead presses with it, you could do RDLs with it, you could get like 10, 25, and 50 pound bags of sand, put them in a duffel bag, and you can have some really intense workouts. Nice. I, lo I love those hacks because it's like there's a lot of, you know, you don't necessarily have to buy actual, even, even dumbbells, like you don't need to actually buy like a barbell or a bench per se. Like you can adapt with things in your house. I saw people for a kettlebell they'd be using like a, like a water jug, like a, like a massive water jug and like swinging that as a kettlebell. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so cool. How many hacks you can get in. Um, okay. I know that one thing that you're a huge advocate for, and I've never heard about this personally, um, from any health or fitness professional. Um, I mean, doctors, sure, but blood pressure, um, mm. you're a big fan of monitoring, monitoring your blood pressure regularly. And you talk about it on, you know, Jordan side, mini podcast plug, um, right there. And I'll put that in the show notes, but, um, I'd love to know more about that. Can you educate the audience on, on what that's all about and, and why it's so important to monitor blood pressure? Yeah. Number one, it's, unbelievably easy to monitor you can get a blood pressure monitor on amazon for 25 bucks and it'll be delivered within a couple of days and you just it takes about 45 to 60 seconds to check it when you wake up in the morning um i am very very passionate about making sure people do this because it's so simple and easy to do and it, it can very it, in a very real sense save your life save your life, save the life of your husband, your wife, your, your cousin, your coworkers, your friends, whatever. There are literally hundreds of thousands of deaths every year, hundreds upon hundreds of thousands. I think, I think last year there were over 300,000 deaths, um, from high blood pressure alone, uh, -huh. uh in terms of, and, and it's one of those things where you can work out, you can be very fit, you can be very healthy overall, you can run, you can lift weights, you can eat healthy, you can feel great and have high blood pressure and have no clue. Uh, and it's one of those things where all you just put the sleeve on your arm, you put your arm in it, you get a, a home monitor, you see if it's trending upwards. And after a certain point, you're like, all right, I need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. That's literally it. And it's one of those things where with, it, with fitness and health, I think there are so many ways for people to sort of willfully blind themselves to what's going on or to not really objectively know. With blood pressure, it's very clear it's just like hey like here's the number like look at this number this just came from measuring your blood pressure this is way too high or this is too low like you need to go to the doctor period end of story uh, and it's the number of people like i think it's probably one of my greatest accomplishments from 2019 is how many thousands of people bought their own home, home blood pressure monitor from my podcast on that um I was super excited to see, and I still get messages on a weekly basis showing me their picture of their home blood pressure monitor. Uh, 
because the, the very true reality of it is I know for a fact at least one person is going to have their life saved because of that. Like there's not like not a question in my mind. There are people who are like, hey, I got my blood pressure monitored. I didn't realize it was high. I checked it. I'm going to the doctor. I got on blood pressure, blood, blood pressure medication. Mm. Like that person's life could be saved. So for me, if you're not checking your blood pressure on a regular basis and you're over 25 or 30, you're putting yourself at more of a risk than is necessary. And it's a very quick and easy fix. Most people spend, most people spend more money on a Friday night getting drinks than they do than it would cost to get this blood pressure monitor. And it can quite literally save your life. Well, I'm going to do my best to, to join that movement because, you know, I listened in on that podcast, heard how important it was. I, I'll link that podcast episode in the show notes as well. And I'll link a link to a blood pressure monitor um, so that whoever's listening, um, I mean, Jordan said it, it's, it's important. I actually had a, a personal um, family member, unfortunately, um, you know, pass away due to, due to high blood pressure just in their sleep. Um, and so it can, man, I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it, it, it just, it woke me up cause it can hit you. Um, yeah. and you just out of nowhere and you would have never guessed, like, as you said, um, it's not one of those things necessarily that you might have symptoms for, or, um, you know, be able to pre understand. I don't know if that's a word, but like understand beforehand, if it's going to come, like, you just don't know when it can hit. Uh, it's like a silent, what they would say, you know, what they would call a silent killer. Right. Yeah, that's the actual name. They call it the silent killer is because yeah. you, just, you just have no idea. It was so funny. There was a period of about a week in which I heard three different stories from people in my inner circle and, and family and friends, people who, who died just all of a sudden in about a week. And that was when I was like, geez, like that's sort of like what woke me up to it. I heard three different people in a span of a week who died from blood pressure. There was like a 40 year old father who was super fit, died on a boat with his children, just like they couldn't do anything. Uh, there were several other people that something like that happened to. And I was like, all right, there is zero valid excuse to not just get this and just have it on hand and measure it once a week. Yeah, for sure. I'll be sure to link it. Um, make sure you grab one of those guys, take care of your health, take care of your, take care of yourself. Um, all right. If you had, I mean, we look at kind of three pillars of health. If we, if we looked at, right, they would be fitness or exercise, nutrition, and sleep. Um, what's one thing, just briefly, what's one thing that the audience can do in each of those areas right now to improve? So what are the areas again? Uh, exercise, nutrition, mm -hmm. sleep. Exercise. All right. So for exercise, just walk. Just get more stuff. It's one of those things where some people are like, well, I can't do any push-ups or I can't do any, I can't do push-ups because I'm not strong enough or I can't do squats because of my knees or whatever. It's like walk. The, the walking is the single most underrated form of exercise. And mo a lot of people don't do it because they feel like it's not doing anything and it's not worth it. If people actually saw the studies showing the physiological benefits on your cells from more walking, everyone would do it. I very firmly believe that if everyone just saw that, because there's research, it's very clear. Yeah. The changes that happen on a mitochondrial level in your cells from simply walking are unbelievable. And this doesn't even take into consideration the psychological, psychological aspect of once you do it, and oftentimes you get the, the, the endorphin hit and you get the dopamine release, you're more likely to do more. You're, you're like, all right, fine. Like maybe I'll do a little bit more pushups or I'll try doing some squats or maybe I'll do some planks, whatever it is. It's like it, taking aside the psychological benefits and the, the happiness that comes with it, just the cellular benefits, the physiological health benefits from walking unbelievable. And I guarantee if everyone just saw that, they'd be like, okay, well now it's really stupid of me not to walk an extra 20 minutes today. Um, so I'd say walking, I would say, um, 
from sleep perspective. Uh, I, I should be very honest with this and, and say that I struggle with this one the most out of all of them. Uh, historically, I've been awful with sleep. And it started when I began working with Gary because Gary's awful with sleep. <laughs> and, and when my schedule is literally tied to Gary 100%, like whatever I do is 100% required is based on him. You know, I slept less in those three years than I think is, it was very unhealthy. Mm. Uh, I've gotten better with it, but I still notice myself up at night, just like phone in my face, just doing stupid stuff. So if I could give one recommendation, it would be like set a time by which you must put your phone down. But I also feel hypocritical saying that because I suck at it. So take it for what it's worth. Clearly it's a good idea put your phone down by a certain time so you can get to sleep, but also understand I'm not, I'm not walking the walk there. I'm just talking the talk. Um, I would also say from a nutrition perspective, have one big ass salad every day. Uh, I think it's one of the funniest things I realized in 2019. And I'm always learning as a coach, every coach, every doctor, every nutritionist for all of eternity has always been telling people eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more fruits and vegetables. People aren't doing it. But as soon as I started calling it a big ass salad, (laughs) I got so many thousands of messages on a weekly basis from people being like, look at my big ass salad. Look at my big ass salad. Or like, I never knew that like I could have a salad every day or I didn't know salads could be so fun. It's like you tell people to make a salad or eat more fruits and vegetables, nothing. You tell people to make a big ass salad and all of a sudden they're eating more fruits and vegetables they ever have in their entire life. So if thinking of a big ass salad helps you eat more vegetables every day, then have a big ass salad every day. It's that's definitely going to help me because uh, it's definitely one of my weak points is not having enough fruits and vegetables, particularly fruits uh, for some reason. Um, but we'll, we'll, uh, there's so much in this in this episode today that we talked about that I'm going to put into practice, like more walking, um, the salad. Like once I hear this stuff, it's I can put it into practice. It's just knowing kind of what to do, and I hope this helps a lot of people in the audience today. Um, all right, if you know, this is the last question I always ask all my all my guests, which is um, at this point in time, how would you define success for yourself? What what, what does success uh, mean to you? That's a great question. I think um, a younger a younger me would have said something to do with happiness. Um, but, but recently I've come to think that happiness is actually overrated. Um, I think chasing happiness, happiness isn't a bad thing, but making happiness the goal, it's very fleeting, almost like how motivation is fleeting in fitness where I was like, don't rely on motivation, rely on discipline because motivation will not always be there. If the goal is happiness, there are many ways to achieve happiness, ironically, many of which you might not be happy with, right? There are many ways to, whether it's through drugs or alcohol or cheating or whatever it is, you might be short-term happy and long-term disappointed in yourself. So I think it's why it's difficult to make short, to make happiness the goal. For me, success would be finding something in which I feel fulfilled on a daily basis and i think part of fulfillment is understanding it will be difficult uh that will be there will be trials and errors there will be uh, difficulties along the way there will be a lot of challenges i will not always be happy on my path to being fulfilled but being fulfilled will make me happy if that makes sense I love how you said that. That's something that we talk about all the time uh, on the show is fulfillment over happiness, um, you know, discipline over motivation. And it's like, 
I'm starting to realize now, actually, the epiphany only came to me earlier this month, I guess, in reflecting during this quarantine or whatnot, which is short-term happiness is easy. Long-term happiness is very difficult. Um, And so if you want to do that, then it's like like Muhammad Ali, one of my favorite quotes by him is uh, suffer now and live the rest of your life a champion. And, you know, that's something that I try to live my life by. Uh, sounds, sounds a bit morbid, but it's just the reality. Like, you're going to have to take some, some licks and wounds and, and eventually it'll, you can come out on top later in the end. Um, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. Um, Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can my audience find you, learn more about you, um, and, and where can they go to so that I can link that in the show notes? Yeah, so I've got my own podcast, the Jordan Site Mini Podcast. Uh, Instagram, YouTube. If you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, whatever you want to find, you'll be able to find it. I've been on there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Highly recommend uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel, checking Jordan out on Instagram. Um, the, the content, like I was looking at your, you got your one of your most viral videos about having a Big Mac for 30 days <laughs> and losing seven pounds. Like you've got some great, great videos. So highly recommend everyone checking it out um, and listening to it. Jordan, phenomenal conversation i learned a lot uh i think the audience learned a lot too and and um it was really really great having you on appreciate it thank you my friend it was a pleasure have a wonderful day you too